The Sin Not Podcast is brought to you by Alamo Drafthouse. Coming up January 25th, Monday, Alamo Drafthouse Park North. What do we got, Cody? We have our very special monthly screening. This month, a 20th anniversary screening of the Coen Brothers classic Fargo. Oh, I love Fargo, don't you know? Don't you know? Don't you know? Oh, yeah. Don't you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a bugger, that one. <laughs> Between that and the Mystery Science Theater 3000, I got a heavy, heavy dose of that Midwest uh, Minnesota humor coursing through my veins. And, and now I've been watching Making a Murderer. You guys watch that? I haven't seen yeah, it. I'm I saw a, it already. Don't spoil it for me, Kiko, but I'm like, it's starting <laughs> going, to get a little, little Irish. Irish. <laughs> <laughs> but i like, oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm only six episodes in. Uh, Monday, January 25th, Alamo Drafthouse Park North, 7.30 p.m., 20th anniversary screening of Fargo, which is uh, not really related to the series on FX that everybody loves that I still haven't watched yet. I'm a bad TV watcher. No, it's a spiritual sequel or it's a spiritual relationship. Uh, but, yeah, it's I'm really excited about this. It's another movie I've never seen on the big screen, but it's probably in – it might even be in my top ten favorite movies of all time. I I really love Fargo. Did you know that there was a uh, TV spinoff pilot produced years ago? I did. I watched bits and pieces of it on YouTube. It's um oh what's the actress's it, name? It's from uh, uh, uh God damn it from The Sopranos. Kate, Kate. Oh, I thought it was uh. No, it's uh what is her name from The Sopranos? Uh, Edie Falco. Oh, that's is, right. Is it's in Edie the uh, is in the Francis uh, McDormand role. Yeah, in the TV show, I've only seen the first season of the TV show, but it it doesn't really follow. I mean, there's a couple connective tissue pieces, but it's mostly its own separate thing. But it's it, you know essentially a guy who's in way over his head with some crime stuff. One of the things I I loved the 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 touches I loved about the movie were uh, the cheesy door chimes that everybody's car had. Yeah, I I, I was talking about this with Kiko the other day or, or yesterday, but just like. The the William H Macy performance in this movie is just brilliant. Like he's he's the most pathetic character of all time. Like I like the Coens can do that pathetic character so well, and I think he's like the the ultimate example. Oh, oh of yeah, that. that's that's their thing. The like the pathetic character whose all of his troubles are exactly his own making. Yeah, just yes, completely in over his head. Uh, anyway, so this is uh, another free screening, right? With a yes. five dollar uh, food voucher pre buy. Yeah, if you go on uh, drafthouse.com or open the Alamo Drafthouse app, you can get your tickets. Basically, you reserve your seats for 5 bucks, and then that $5 goes towards your food and drink order for the night. Are you going to be going to be dressed in one of those hats they were wearing in the movie when you're there, Cody? Oh, oh yeah. I you know, I I really want to have a contest where people uh where people try to mimic William H Macy's like practice phone call to his wife's dad. <laughs> Oh, oh, geez. Oh, geez. <laughs> uh, and that just reminds me of that. What was it last year that uh, the treasure hunter Kumiko came out? Oh, Kumiko the treasure hunter. Kumiko yeah. the treasure hunter. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, yeah, looking for the, the money Steve Buscemi buried. Yeah. Uh, that's that's probably the most grisly. Like, I could feel that wound that he has. Yeah, like, yeah that's a, that's like a it's really a, good wound. Like, it's really sticky and gross. I love uh, when he tries to talk afterwards. <laughs> Anyway, this is, once again, Monday, January 25th, Alamo Drafthouse Park North, 7.30 p.m. Get your tickets to reserve your seat and get your food voucher at drafthouse.com. Let's start the show. In a world filled with movie podcasts, three critics from the juggernaut media market of San Antonio... 
decided to change the entire course of the internet. A feat attempted by many and conquered by many to produce a relatively listenable podcast. Devastating truth bombs. Brace yourselves, guys. The Muppets are puppets. You know that, right? <laughs> no! Wait! Oh, okay. no. They're puppets. No, and <laughs> Muppets is, are puppets. This is kind of <laughs> hard facts. Yeah, not Kevin Feige or Feig, whatever, but uh, I think it's Feige. Is it really? I have no idea. <laughs> Asking the important questions. What is that? What, what was that that I just saw right now? It was like a fat Iron Man. That's it's a Hulkbuster. Hulkbuster armor. That's, that's, that's how he fights the Iron Man. <laughs> this is the Cinesnob Podcast. So welcome to episode 74 of the Cinesnob Podcast. I'm Jerry Kingery. I'm Cody Viafano. And I'm Kiko Martinez. And the two of you just got back from a road trip to H-Town. Yeah, I hate driving, but it wasn't a bad trip. Oh, yeah. did you actually drive? Yeah, I drove. Wow. Cody didn't, Cody didn't want to drive my car. <laughs> yeah. Even though I told him, baby, you can drive my car. <laughs> so uh, you were there for the uh, Houston Film Critics Society Awards. I uh, regret that I couldn't have been there. I had previous plans. Yeah, people were asking for you. Really? They're like, where's that third dude? Yeah, where's that fucking asshole? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, everyone, everyone's really cool. And, you know, I, they, they all know us as the San Antonio bunch. So, uh, the San know. Antonio Three. Yeah, though they, yeah, they call us the San Antonio Three. Even though um, I don't live there anymore. Yeah, and so they were all really nice. And then we had our, uh, we had the show, and we each presented an award. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was a good time. It's a, it's a neat little thing that we, we do. And I don't think a lot of uh, regional critic societies have award shows. So um, it's always good when you have like you know, someone um, like send over a remarks or a, a acceptance speech. Uh, so like we had, um, we had, uh, the stunt coordinator for Mad Max Fury Road sent in a video and then we got a video from Matt Damon actually accepting wow. humanitarian award. Awesome. And, uh, I saw you both had pictures, uh, with astronaut Gene Kernan. Yeah, yeah. we did. Uh, it was, uh, it was really great to meet him. I didn't uh, realize that he was going to be there, uh, but he got a award or he accepted an award on behalf of the film, uh, last man on the moon. And he was uh, last man on the moon, right? Yeah, he in 1972, he was the last man that's walked on the moon. So uh, what are some of the highlights from the show? I haven't seen the winners yet. Well, uh, Spotlight won Best Picture, which is great. It's number one on all of our top three, uh, top tens. Well, so, maybe, uh, let's, let's be honest. You were a little worried Mad Max was going to sneak in there, <laughs> weren't you? Yeah, was, yeah, of course I was, yeah. And, and of course, I, uh, you know, I, there was a legitimate fear of that. And then they split. Director was uh, Inuritu for The Revenant. Um no, there were a couple surprises. I mean, um, Michael Fassbender won Best Actor for Steve Jobs over uh, DiCaprio for The Revenant. Wow. Uh, Rooney Mara won Best Supporting Actress um, over um, anybody. Anybody, <laughs> yeah. Um, but other than that, you know, it was it was pretty much what you would expect. Um, there was some other cool stuff. I mean, like Ennio uh, Morricone wrote a, a thank you letter that was read, so that oh, was pretty cool. Um, yeah, it was it was it was good. It was it was there there were no major surprises, like nothing that was like I'm going to quit this society because this award <laughs> happened. But uh, you know, it, it's yeah, we were. I, I think it's just a really good um, a really good thing to, for us to be able to kind of contribute to this and being where we are. It's it's really nice to be in like welcomed in their society. 
Yeah. P- Pixels, Pixels, one worst. Uh, oh worst yeah. Film. I don't know that I had that on my list of worst film, but uh, I, I would. I, my worst film of the year, and I think yours, one of yours too, Cody. Entourage didn't didn't yeah. make the cut. No, but Mordecai did, and Mordecai was god awful. <sighs> yeah. To be honest with you, I, I put my top five. Um, I would I would have said Aloha was my the worst film I saw uh, last year, but uh, that was before I saw the uh, Ridiculous Six. Yo, you oh, actually you watched that? I did. I did. I sent something to Cody earlier uh, this week about Netflix saying that's been their biggest movie launch ever. Yeah, uh, big, uh, most uh, people. And I mean that includes even when they add something that was a hit, you know? Yeah. So I don't. I mean, again, those numbers. Who knows what they are? Uh, <laughs> there are they, numbers they make up. Yeah, they don't ever tell you that. Like people just maybe they just started it and they were like, Ugh. isn't it two yeah. hours long? Yeah, it's long. It's it's a long one, and uh, there's plenty of uh, jokes that pretty much bomb. <laughs> Speaking out. of which, uh, I was at Walmart the other day, and I walked out, and you know how they have the ads on the the door for movies, typically. Yeah. And they had a an ad for the extended edition of Joe Dirt Two. <laughs> <laughs> I would. Jesus. I never. I didn't watch it on Crackle. I heard it was a time travel thing, uh, and so now I'm really curious about it. But I just can't mm. be bothered because it sounds so awful. Yeah, but, uh, I never saw it. Um, anyway, uh, so so uh, wrapping up the uh, Houston Film Critics Society Awards. Um, again, I'm I'm sorry I didn't get to participate. Um, I think every- right, there's always next year. Yeah. Well, I mean, I voted and everything. I just didn't get to come to the awards show. Did you? Uh, did you make anybody laugh, Cody? I was trying to give yeah. you some punched up uh, copy, no, and you, you threw I went, it out. I went with uh, I went with sincere in mine, uh, <laughs> rather than going for funny, because I've seen some people in the past go funny and it uh, not work so well. Did you? Were you used to the teleprompter this time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I actually was flawless on the teleprompter last time, last time and this time. I, I didn't have any problems with it. Well, you were confused by the teleprompter last time. I remember. Me? No, yeah. I I made it fine. No, you thought you didn't realize there was a camera back there. Oh the ca- oh I, yeah well yeah yeah anyway uh, any final thoughts Kiko before we move on well on, on the humor note I I, I, I don't want to pat myself on the back or anything but I think <laughs> I got the most laughs from did my you, did you screw up or something I did say the uh, well they told me that I was gonna only do one uh, but one of the uh, members wasn't able to show up so I did uh, two so I I read blindly one of the one of the speeches or one of the presentations so oh, really? I did uh, mispronounce uh, documentary uh, oh yeah. you, that's what, that. that's your bugaboo <laughs> I know that documentary is a tough one yeah so that's about it though it was a good good time did, so people laughed at you mispronouncing it no they're laughing at my amazing uh, my amazing uh, wit timing oh. my amazing comedic <laughs> timing yeah. That was the joke because you couldn't think of it. That's why I oh. said timing. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else before we move on? I was I was just looking at the box office numbers, and we're going to talk about it in the, in a minute. But the Revenant made a lot of money. It this did. Weekend. It almost beat Star Wars. That's crazy. So uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and move on to reviews. Here are this week's reviews. First up, we have the Revenant.
A frontiersman named Hugh Glass on a fur trading expedition in the 1820s is on a quest for survival after being brutally mauled by a bear and left for dead. Now, the clips don't really play well on uh, audio only because there's not a lot of talking in this movie. So, uh, like, the clip you heard is just a lot of horse grunts and musket shots and shit. So, anyway, uh, Kiko, what did you think of The Revenant? Um, I really liked it. Uh, this came up uh, number nine in my top ten of the year. Um, I Which we harshly that, course, we harshly judged. I, yeah, I know. I heard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can't deny uh, what uh, uh, cinematographer Emilio Emmanuel the best. I was going to say Emilio. Emilio Estevez. <laughs> Emilio Navarro. <laughs> yeah, him too. Uh, Emmanuel Lubeski can do uh, with the camera and some of the stuff that he does, and this is just amazing. Um, I, I know you guys had a more of a problem with the narrative. Uh, there, I mean, it's it's pretty slow. Um, it's very slow, actually. Uh, it's uh, uh, not not much of a story that uh, you can really, um, you know, that you can consider something that was unique. I mean, it's just about a guy that you know goes after revenge uh, after he's done wrong. Um, so it's getting him from point A to point B to get that revenge. Uh, and uh, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, um, you know, beautiful um, uh, atmospheric things that happen here with uh, the camera work. Uh, I, I'm sure you know that uh, Lubeski used natural light in this uh, to, to shoot and uh, the conditions are pretty harsh uh, outdoors. So uh, just to be able to, um, make this film happen the way that it happened is uh, a uh, something that's amazing in itself. So um, I give him a lot of credit. I give a lot of credit to uh, uh, director um, Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu as well. Uh, I think he really brought out uh, the best out of all his characters, and I couldn't even imagine him uh, doing these long takes, uh, especially with something that's – there's so many parts moving at the same time. I, I mean, Birdman was kind of shot the same way, but uh, – it, it wasn't as uh, I guess there wasn't so many as, as moving parts as many moving parts like I said, uh, but here there's arrows flying through there's like so many extras uh, in the background and things like that so I thought that was really amazing the way they did that um, and then DiCaprio himself uh, I thought he did a great job uh, um, I, I would say that there was a couple better uh, performances this year but I I, I think he's solid I think uh, uh, Hardy is solid as well uh, so I'd like to see him win it. Um, He's 0 for 5. I think that he'll probably pick up the Oscar this time. Uh, whether it's a legacy one or not, I, I don't know. I'm not really, you know, into that kind of thing. I don't. I think it happens sometimes, but I'm not sure. I, I think he. I think he is up there in the talks as well. So, uh, yeah, I enjoyed the Revenant uh, a lot. Cody. Well, this is my most anticipated movie of the year, um, especially after seeing the trailers and how brilliant it looked and watching the cinematography and the natural light and everything. And then uh, <clears throat> watched the movie and I couldn't <laughs> help but feel incredibly disappointed. Um, I don't think it's a bad movie. Uh, I think that there are good things about it, um, particularly the performance of Tom Hardy. And, and I, I do find it kind of funny that DiCaprio is going to finally win an Oscar for a movie that he gives the second best performance in, because <laughs> I think that Tom Hardy is a lot better than DiCaprio in this movie. Um, I agree. It, it's yeah, it's 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 a it, DiCaprio's performance isn't bad, but there's nothing. I mean, it's it's a physical performance. It's not you know, uh, it's he he doesn't talk much in the movie. Uh, he's very silent, and uh, it's a lot of him kind of like struggling to stay alive. And yes, it's a physical performance, but. 
but uh, but interestingly enough, Tom Hardy's character is the more well-rounded, interesting character, and thus he gives the better performance, in my opinion. So uh, I think the reason to see this movie is Tom Hardy, um, uh, and uh, and so that's the first thing. You know, it's 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 very slowly paced, um, which you know isn't always a bad thing, but it just feels a little anticlimactic for the most part. And it's just like, well, okay, how many times are we going to see this guy just get you know beaten to the ground over and over and over again? Yeah, I th- and- I think it might have at least one or two too many kind of set pieces like that. Yeah, I agree, and and I think that beyond that, it's just um, it's just kind of boring. It's it's just. In parts, um, it looks mm-hmm. beautiful, but it's just slow, and uh, and there's no real narrative to speak of. As as, as Kiko was was saying that the, the, that there, you know, there's not a lot of narrative, um, but the the narrative that there is isn't really interesting. Like I said, other than the Tom Hardy stuff, where uh, his character really gets some some stuff to chew on. So uh, I would say not a bad movie, um, but a definite uh, disappointment for me. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Cody. Um, after seeing that trailer, and the trailer is amazing. Um, you know, this was a movie uh, I saw in the theater. I guess it's been like a month ago now, at least. Uh, it was one that I definitely wanted to see in a theater before the the screener came, of course. Because uh, watching it on a you know a DVD is not the same as seeing it in a theater. And some of the stuff is just amazingly beautiful. But you get bombarded with, with DiCaprio getting beaten down again and again. And I think probably the most outrageous set piece that, that happens with him uh, after the bear attack um, that everybody knows about, the bear rape, as it was rumored to be. Uh, you remember that controversy, right? Yeah, it was not even close. <laughs> uh, is the, uh, the horse scene. Um, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yes. And I think that's a little too over the top. Uh, that's that's probably where I was like, you know what, this is just like you torture. The horse on the the horse on the cliff. Yeah. The, well, the the scene that comes after that. Yeah, we're yeah. I think that's just a little too much torture porn. Like right off, like just like like you just like he's his shit has been beaten down so many times by then. His dick has been knocked into the dirt over and over again, and then it was. I remember that part. <laughs> well, there was a lot of snow. You couldn't see the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was a little much. And I thought uh, – there. I think Tom Hardy's great. Um, like the most – obviously the most interesting character in the whole movie. I think there's some really kind of dud casting. I think Domhnall Gleeson is not good at all uh, as the you – know, As much uh, – two of my movies in my top ten uh, have Domhnall Dom Gleeson in them. Um, and as much as – I like the movies that he's in. I'm not a fan of him either for some reason. I don't know what it is about him. I think it might, might be his face. I'm not sure. I liked him as the petulant uh, space Hitler in Star Wars better than I liked him. Space Hitler. That's what he was, right? Ginger Hitler, he's been called uh, in The Force <laughs> Awakens. Uh, but uh, another question about the, the technical aspects of it. Does that make you like the movie more or does it matter to you at all? Knowing what it took to take to make this film, like well, I mean, I think it's I think it's fascinating, and I think that it looks distinctly different than a movie that's shot differently. Um, that being said, it 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 a beautiful looking movie is nothing without you know good plot and narrative and script and 
everything else. So to me, it's be- it's better to look at and maybe a little bit easier to uh, consume, and and and, and, it, and it keeps your attention a little bit more. But other than that, not really. I, I feel. Um, I mean, I love I love a great lucky movie. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, does it? make me like it more probably a little bit more but i mean i think that cody's right i mean there needs to be a solid script and direction and things like that i just didn't think it was as weak uh as y'all thought so i think that's why i I guess i mean i I guess i mean more not if it looks great but knowing like you hear these stories you hear these stories about like how hard it was to make like how torturous it was on uh dicaprio and the and the crew like does that matter to you at all not for me. I know. I mean, I mean, I just, I think it's interesting. I think it's an interesting side note, you know, to take, um, to, to, to listen to. I mean, it's kind of like a, you know, DVD extra type of thing, but no, I don't, I don't really care about how hard it was. I just, I want to see the outcome. I'm, I'm, I'm judging the final product. Okay. So grades Kiko, uh, this is a B plus for me. Uh, this is a B minus. It gets a recommendation, and it's and it's not. It's a it's a good movie, but it's 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 definitely disappointing. Yeah, I'm with you. I think a B minus is fair for this. Um, obviously, it's it's been popular. Um, I, I didn't quite expect it to open as big as it did. I didn't either. Um, I think DiCaprio probably has a lot to do with it, and I think the. I'm wondering how many people leave. Feeling, <laughs> feeling, feeling uh, appreciative of the film uh, as opposed to just being like, man, that was really fucking grim the whole way home. All right. Stay for the, stay for the bear attack. Leave for the walking in the snow. <laughs> yeah, so like watch the first 30 minutes and then go home. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to our next movie, The Hateful Eight. Got room for one more? Who the hell are you? And what happened to them? <laughs> Name's Major Marcus Warren, former U.S. Cavalry, currently a servant of the court, trying to bring a couple no goods in the market. You taking them into Red Rock? Figure that's where you headed, right? Yeah. That damn blasted blizzard has been on our ass for the last three hours. Well, you hightailing it halfway to minutes haberdashery. You know I am. May I come aboard? Well, Smoke, if it up to me, yes. But it ain't up to me. Who's it up to? Fella in the wagon. Fella in the wagon ain't partial company? Fella in the wagon, he paid for a private trip, and I'm here to tell you, he paid a pretty penny for privacy. So if you want to go to Minnie's with us, you're going to have to talk to him. Well... That's what I'll do. In the dead of a Wyoming winter, a bounty hunter and his prisoner find shelter in a cabin currently inhabited by a collection of nefarious characters. Now, uh, we've all seen this. Cody, what'd you think of The Hateful Eight? It was in your top ten, I know. Yeah, it, it had the number ten spot. Um, you know, I I wasn't passionate about it in, at being in the ten spot, but we went through this last week. Um, you know, I, it's, it, it, it's basically, for me... Um, middle of the pack Tarantino, um, not his best work, but not his worst. Um, it's falling somewhere around the middle. Uh, you know, it's it's typical dialogue-driven um, material that eventually kind of deviates into 
you know, bloody massacre stuff. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I, I think, I, I guess it's, oddly enough, I think I should probably start with its problems. Um, I think it's a little too long, um, especially when you build in the intermission that's in there. Uh, if that's the, I, I assume all the versions have the intermission and the overture. I don't know. The DCP um, ones don't. That okay. Was, that was a 70 millimeter thing. Okay, so, the, you know, when you build in that, the movie's over three hours long. It's three hours and, like, two minutes. Um, and I think that the first half of the movie drags a little bit, um, trying to get it, when getting them to the mini's haberdash, haberdashery. And, um, and then once they get there, it picks up pretty well. Uh, but it, is, it, it does feel a little bit long. It does drag a little bit. Um, and I especially didn't really care for the, the carriage stuff that has, like, Kurt Russell and... Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee and Walton Goggins when they first get introduced and they have that ride where where Kurt Russell is just basically beating the shit out of her constantly <laughs> like I just yeah and that that rubbed me a little wrong I don't I, it was just weird but um he might have a bit of a of a misogyny thing that yeah, may be maybe a little it, valid maybe a touch yeah and especially in this like uh, I it, it really like it really did bother me in this one um but uh anyway once they get to the to the to the main set piece, it becomes this sort of like I don't know, almost like a clue type thing where it's a where you where someone in the room has done a bad thing and you have to figure out who it is and who's against who and all of that. And it becomes pretty interesting and it's very and like I said, very talky. Um, a lot of the dialogue stuff and or monologue stuff doesn't work. I think that the stuff with Samuel L. Jackson with the Bruce Dern's son thing is a dud, but. Um, a lot of it really does work, and I think that it works because the casting is great, um, and uh, and I think that the that, that sort of the unsung hero of the movie is Walton Goggins, who uh, gives a really good performance, uh, and, and a really funny performance, too. Uh, and, and the movie itself is, is very funny, by the way. Um, uh, but, but I think he's good, uh, and, and he kind of steals the movie a bit. And uh, is great with Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, great chemistry with him, and uh, and yeah, I, I think that it's it gets pretty fun when it gets bloody and entertaining, and uh, and the score is great. The Ennio Mor- Morricone uh, score, who should probably win his first ever Oscar this year for this. Um, like I like I said, I don't think it's Tarantino's best work, but I think it's solid Tarantino. Kiko, yeah, I think it's a second tier Tarantino as well. Um, uh, actually, I think it's probably like lower, um, the lower part of it. But um, not. But when you when, going off of that, I think that you know even Tarantino's worst film is probably better than seventy percent of the filmmakers that are making stuff right now. So it's not a bad thing. I think that uh, all his dialogue is written really well as usual. Um, all the violence works as usual as over the top it is, as over the top as it is. Um, I think that uh, Samuel Jackson was the the, the character that really uh, made me uh, like this movie. Uh, he really drives. He's the driving force behind everything that's going on in this. Uh, I'm surprised that he, he's not being um, given a little bit more credit uh, in terms of uh, awards uh, because this really is his movie, if you think about it. I mean, everything evolves around him and maybe Kurt Russell as well. But I mean, some you know, I don't want to get too deep into what happens, but. Uh, Jackson is uh, in the movie a lot more, <laughs> um, but you're right. The uh, the score was my favorite part at the beginning when uh, I don't know what is it called. You said an overture. It's the overture at the beginning. I turned to Cody and I was like, "This score is amazing." Yeah. I mean, it's about ten minutes of music that you're listening to, and uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the first thing that 
hits you right in the face and it continues on throughout the entire movie. So I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, this feels, uh, and I've, I, I'm sure you've heard this uh, comparison, but it feels more like a play. And I, that's one of the things as I was watching it, I felt like this was, uh, especially since, of course, it ha- it's happening in one um, in one uh, location. Uh, it feels the most uh, of any of his movies as um, Reservoir Dogs, uh, because Reservoir Dogs happens in that one uh, I don't know what it is, like a warehouse type thing. Mm-hmm. Here, this, it happens in one haberdashery. Um, so uh, it, it feels confined, which is nice. I like that feeling. Um, the, the problem that I had is at the uh, end when there's that twist, there's a twist that happens. And what Tarantino has done before is kind of go back and kind of relive what's already happened from a different perspective, which he's done in previous films. This one felt too simple to me. Um, there wasn't a lot of moving parts in, in it, which was kind of weird to me for Tarantino. It didn't seem as as clever as uh, other movies that he's done before. It was, it was a little bit more simple uh, storytelling than I'm used to from him. So I didn't really um, care for that at all. Um, but again, uh, the performances, uh, Cody's right, the casting is just uh, pretty perfect here. Um, everybody's really good. Even though I think that um, uh, Tim Roth... Uh, probably could have been easily replaced um, by Christoph Waltz in this. I think he's a little too Christoph Waltz-y. But other than that, I, uh, Tarantino's uh, one of the best filmmakers working today. Uh, I just think that this wasn't his best work. Uh, but very solid still, nonetheless. Tim, Tim Roth is Christoph Waltz before Christoph Waltz was Christoph Waltz. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> I think that uh, – I, I really like Tim Roth in this. I, I'm not a – look, I, I don't personally really – I'm not a, a fan of Tarantino. I don't dislike him, but it's just not my not my bag. I, I do appreciate this, and I think I told Cody this that I love that uh, Tarantino can get all these film snobs, like people that people that that I follow on social media and stuff, uh, to get them excited about what is essentially just a gory slasher film by the end of the movie. Right. Um, like well, that's what happens with J- Django. I mean, well, right. Basically. And I mean, it's a it's a pattern that he has, and it's something that that I I find really remarkable because it's not. I mean, he's a he's kind of a master at Quentin Tarantino movies. You know what I mean? If that makes any sense. Yeah. Like it's it's really high minded schlock. Uh, you know, if this if you you know if this movie was made by a different director, you'd be like, what the fuck did I watch? You know, this this weird western that ended in just bloodshed, just well, massive. Not- not only that, but a movie that is like all dialogue until yeah, it's right. super bloody. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's uh, it's it's funny to me that and and you know I I don't think that a lot of people this doesn't seem to be resonating with a lot of people outside of the fact that it was in seventy millimeter. That seems to be the thing that I take away most from the social media rack. I didn't see it in so in seventy millimeter because I don't I don't really care about formats. Neither did I. I don't care about it either. Um. But I mean, that had people really excited. Um, and again, that's a film thing that I don't, I don't want to fight that battle again over and over. But I just don't care. I mean, I'm, I can't wait till digital overtakes film all the way. That said, um, I did enjoy this movie. Um, it is really slow to start with and indulgent as fuck. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, the whole, the carriage thing, I mean, Frankly, it probably all could have been axed, or at least two thirds of it, and you I still agree. end up with the same film. Um, I do love Walton Goggins, and uh, I was talking to you about this, Cody. I loved Walton Goggins when he's just talking. 
Yeah. When he's just allowed to, to monologue, essentially. Uh, he was my favorite part of uh, the TV show Justify that just ended last year. Um, he plays basically the main villain in that show uh, through all all six seasons, I think there were. And uh, he just gets this chance, like, just to dig into this dialogue that just he just rips apart, and it's great. Um, you know, less successful, I thought. I didn't, I mean, Kurt Russell was all right. I thought he just seemed like he was along for the ride. Um I really liked uh, Damian Bashir in this too. Like, just like he had them. He was like the most stereotypical Mexican person ever. And <laughs> his, ac- his accent was just killing me. And like, and, and there's a moment where he's playing Silent Night on the piano, and he hits the wrong key, and just goes, "Damn it!" Yeah, <laughs> that's like the hardest I've laughed at anything this year. Yeah, I, and uh, I again, I was. It's it's weird to see a woman just getting beaten to shit in a movie like this. Yeah, and like not even not even kind of hiding it that they're just beating the shit out of her. Uh, well, I mean, it goes back to the point where it's like, is is this funny? Like, is this supposed to be funny? Yeah, like, are we supposed to laugh at that? And I and and I I don't know. I just it just rubbed me the wrong way that part of it for sure. Yeah, because it's really excessive. Yeah, it is. Well, oh. other than that being ex- excessive and the blood being excessive, the, we have to all talk about the the N word used. Uh, probably the most that he's ever used it. It had to have broken some kind of record. I mean, I, even when we're talking about, you know, whatever other film was last used, um, that movie that, or whatever film he used that that word way too much. This kind of blew it out of the water. I think. It, it seems to be a topic of conversation in every film that he makes, at least yeah. with Samuel L. Jackson. Or maybe, maybe or, he stopped uh, trying to break every single record that he. What was the What was the one? Um, there was that film critic that he was out of Houston, and the the clip went viral. Oh yeah. And he asked uh, Samuel L. Jackson about uh, was it um, what was right before uh, was Samuel L. Jackson in Django? I don't remember. Was it yeah. Django? Yeah, 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 it was Django. Then okay, I forgot. Yeah, he'd asked him about uh, the use of the N-word in Django Unchained, and, and Samuel L. Jackson kind of challenged oh, him like, to use the it, word. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, I don't – I mean, I, I again, as the, you know, 30 – Token white guy? As the token white guy, as a 37-year-old <laughs> white guy, I don't really have any kind of uh, barometer as to how comfortable or uncomfortable I should be with that. Because I say it all the time. <laughs> you just do it in the confines of your car with the windows rolled up. I'm like, uh, I'm like uh, uh, Michael Bolton in Office Space. I just roll the window up. Uh, um, no, but uh, you know, I mean, it's been a Tarantino thing for as long as he's been a filmmaker, essentially. And in the public eye, I mean, he's not exactly, um, you know not known for this so I, yeah but i mean i mean there's there's a line isn't there i mean there should be at least i mean no you know what i take that back there shouldn't be a line but if it's needed it's needed of course i mean a movie like 12 years a slave or django unchained of course that word is going to come up a dozen times <laughs> but, but i don't know about how many times he used it in here i mean there's once i think there was one dialogue that Jackson uses, and he probably said it at least five or six times in like three sentences. I like uh, one other thing off topic. Um, I like, I do like that Tarantino has sort of, especially like there was in Django, there was kind of like the the weird KKK scene that was like this weird comedic turn right. that was like one hundred percent comedy. I loved the door in this movie. Oh, <laughs> see, I didn't. I didn't really? like the door. No. Oh man, I thought that was funny every time. 
Maybe if they cut that out, the movie would have dropped to two hours. You'd have been happy. <laughs> you have to hammer it. Got to get two pieces of wood. <laughs> Kick it. Maybe it <coughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. The pay, I guess the payoff didn't work with me when they go back and show how the door. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that um, I like the uh, the whodunit aspect of it. I do think when it flashes back to, to how the plan all came into place, I think it probably – is it loses a little, momentum. Yeah, and it's a little too easy. Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. That's what I said. Yeah, I think it's. A little fact, too I, easy. I don't think it's needed, really. I mean, I wish I wish we would have been able to figure that out on our own without being shown. But. Well, because by that point, you, I mean, the everybody's been shot. Not to, I mean, like literally everyone has been shot. <laughs> like they're not maybe some of them are dead some of them aren't but by that point everybody is in like is wounded in some way so they uh like by the time you get to figure it out it doesn't really matter you know because there's nobody has the upper hand right i guess so um i don't know I, I i wasn't expecting to to like it as much as i did um i i think it's way too long and i i know that i mean it's tarantino so he gets to do whatever the hell he wants um, like I said, I love that that he makes these film snobs go out to see something that they would patently reject otherwise. No, I don't. It, I mean, I I don't think that anybody else could have. I mean, you're saying like if put put somebody else's name on it. And it would do be you a think movie? Well, I'm but, I mean, not I talking about any, not talking about style or uh, technical achievement or writing. But if you if you had the same story with the same gore and the same use of the n word. <laughs> Uh, oh, right. This is pretty. This is. I mean, this is pretty exploitative crap. And I mean, that's Tarantino's thing. He he kind of makes high-minded exploitation films. I mean, he's no stranger to that. I mean, you you see the the opening credits are done in that you know that same style, and the Ennio Morricone soundtrack, which is great. I mean, it harkens back to the spaghetti westerns. You know, it's meant to evoke a style that's not exactly politically correct today. Mm-hmm. But you know. I'd like, to see him, I'd like to see him do a rom-com myself. <laughs> you know? I, I'd like to see him do something that's not like a, a spin on something. You, you mean know? something original? <laughs> I mean, they're all original, but I mean... They're it, all original, but I mean, he's borrowing from everything else. Right, so. that's what I mean. You know, yeah. something that's like a... You know, I mean, he created a mold with Pulp Fiction, and then, you know, 10 million movies copied it after that, and then he kind of stuck to... <laughs> just remaking his favorite kind of schlock from the seventies as big budget films, mm. you know, with that's, uh, that's an interesting point with like Jackie Brown, you know, as black exploitation. And then, uh, I guess, but in glorious bastards, wasn't really anything. I mean, well, it's like a revenge fantasy world war two movie. Like it's kind of pulpy to a point, you know, yeah. I mean, it obviously has the rewritten history in it. And, um, you know, Jackie Brown was was like black exploitation thing, and then uh, uh, was it Death Proof? Was that his? Uh, yeah, his Grindhouse thing. Then, uh, you know. Anyway, I'm, I'm meandering here. So, uh, what are your grades for this? Uh, I'm going B plus. I'm I'm at a solid B. I think I'm with you, Kiko. A solid B. Um, I think this movie, I think, felt a little more stunty than most of his stuff has. I think probably since Kill Bill, format-wise, seems to be the only thing people talk about this with. Talk about this with? I don't know. That didn't make sense. Compare but. it to? 
that seems to be the only topic of conversation um, about this film uh, is the, oh, it's in 70 millimeter. Like, I don't give a shit. I mean, it did look awesome and it looked like it was really cold. Do you think it was, you think they shot somewhere in cold? The Cause they're like, you could see all their breaths. I didn't know if that was added in post or not. Yeah. They should, they should get uh, Oscar for CGI. I think they shot it in breath. Telluride. <laughs> so they shot it somewhere where it was cold. I think so. Anyway. Uh, so that's going to do it for this week. What's uh, what do we got next week? Anything good? Next week, we have 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. Oh, son of a bitch. Thanks, and Hillary. Then, and we have uh, Ride Along 2. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks, and, Ice Cube. Did, have you seen the Conan thing? Yes. With Ice Cube and and, yeah. do- and uh, Dr. Dre. Not Dr. Dre. Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> Ice, Cube, Ice Cube was on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me this weekend, which was kind of weird. Really? Norm of the North is the other one. Oh, yeah. Um you, did you see the Conan thing, Kiko? No, I haven't. Oh, I haven't. It's great. It's been all over social media. Um, uh, the 13 hours thing, I'm really dreading, frankly. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, here you have something controversial to start with, being hammered home with the subtlety of Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it stars, I don't even think about that. That's awesome. Yeah, John Krasinski is the star, and he's... I wish he had a better career post office than he's had post office. You don't think he has, a, you don't think he has leading man uh, capabilities? Oh, I do, but I think he's. I think he's. I, I don't know. This movie frightens me. Frightens the shit out of me. I think we're. I think we're in for a worse American Sniper situation. <laughs> I mean, I really, really do. Good but, thing I'm not writing the review, Cody. <laughs> I guess it's my turn to take one for the team. Yeah, I've eaten shit on so many military movies <laughs> that haven't been good. So it's your turn now. Well, joke's going to be on you guys when this movie's amazing. Hey, it could be a January Michael Bay movie. I don't. I don't understand it. I mean, I wonder if it's bad or, or is this them trying to reclaim the market? I, it's you know, at some point that's going to happen. Well, I don't know what's going to open it up, but at some point that will happen. Well, I mean, frankly, uh, Ride Along 2 is going to eat its lunch. Oh, oh yeah. He's going to make so much money. Yeah. But you're saying like somebody uh, – since January is so weak, somebody should just jump right in and take it over then, right? Nobody's really done that. That's a thing that I've wondered uh, because I remember uh, the Power Rangers movie that is unfortunately coming one of these days – in January, is rumored to be, yeah, is rumored to be coming in January, which I think is strange. Because <laughs> uh, it's no, I mean, cause, well, because it's not even made yet. I mean, I can understand if they made it, they're like, we gotta dump this turd in January. Oh, I see. Okay. But you guys the, know what movie did open in January? Uh, what do you mean? Cloverfield. Oh yeah. Uh... I, it seems to be the the province of like horror movies or garbage. Uh. Or then, like obviously, uh, like MLK Weekend is traditionally like an African American led film, which is uh, that's what um, Ride Along Two is this year. <laughs> no, I'm being serious. That's a total. That's totally real. Don't laugh at me. That's true. No, I'm just thinking like uh, MLK is like twisting and turning into the grave right now. Yeah, I know it's it doesn't really make any sense, but I I I, I, I think I liked. I think I liked Ride Along too. Ride Along more than I remember liking. 
Mm. I don't remember it really at all. <laughs> I remember there was a good scene with Kevin Hart in the warehouse. But then now they're like going to Miami or something. I don't I don't know what's happening. Uh yeah, Norm of the North, I don't uh, know anything about other than I have a friend named Norm. It's a polar bear named Norm. What else do you need to know? <laughs> it doesn't have like a shitty voice cast. Oh, Rob know. Schneider is the lead, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's like Rob Schneider is Norm, really? Wow. It's uh oh it's it's Heather Graham also. Uh yeah, N- Rob Schneider is Norm. I can't, so is Norm going to have a Mexican accent? Ah. <laughs> I am normally North. Uh, Ken, man, it's just a, it's just a, with, with Rob Schneider and Ken Jong, it's like people that wore out their welcomes years ago, <laughs> leading the way. I think that's what I'm interviewing. I'm interviewing Ken Jong. I think it's for Norm of the North. Gabriel Iglesias is in it too. Oh, step back. Mm. And uh, <laughs> uh, Bill Nye, who I love, the not science the sci- guy, not the science guy, the British guy. Bill yeah, Nye, the both. British guy. I I think we should just start referring to the actor as Bill Nye, the British guy. <laughs> just to be clear, Bill Nye, the British guy. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, wow, just kind of a. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to the next three months. Uh, we got Deadpool in February. Deadpool in February, I'm looking forward to. Um. Uh, Batman it. Superman is in March. Did you see the latest uh, TV spot for that? You guys, sometimes I feel sorry for you. What does that mean? God damn it. <laughs> Stop acting like you're above this stuff. Move for Deadpool. Yeah. Like, there's no, like... How can you think no... that Deadpool doesn't look at least mildly interesting? All right. I'll <laughs> agree to disagree. Look, what if it... Uh, what if you saw the... Uh, the cut what if Paul w- Thomas Anderson directed it? Yeah, or what if it was in Polish, like in black and white, and it was really sad? <laughs> but then you couldn't see the red blood. I mean, the red blood would have... What if that was the only thing that was colorized, was the blood? Oh, yeah, like now you're talking. Mm, yeah. Now you're talking. You'd be all over Deadpool. All right, if you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at net. If you want to call us, because no one ever does, oh, you can call us at <laughs> 920-FILM-210. That's 920-3456-210. I don't know the last time I called anybody, frankly. Why do we expect people to call us? You call to order pizza. I do. Oh, you yeah. do? I was just kidding. I thought maybe you Because the fucking Little Caesars never has the, pe- the, the deep dish ready. So I have to call and order it, even though they say it's supposed to be hot and ready between 4 and 8. <laughs> That's some motherfucking horse shit. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> Take the task. Yeah. Fuck you. And your $8 pizza. <laughs> Little Caesars on Lake Creek Parkway in Austin, <laughs> Texas. Please have the goddamn deep dish ready. Sorry, the deep, deep dish. I forgot to tell you that our new sponsor was Little Caesars. Oh, we just shit. got them on board. Did, uh, the, there's the one uh, close to your house, Kiko, in San Antonio that's like super Christian. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Even though it's all like meth heads and... Teenagers that don't there. give a shit. Yeah, <laughs> they. <laughs> I remember I had a gift card for Little Caesars that I'd gotten as a gift or something. Hence, a gift card um, that <laughs> that I tried to use there for months because it was close to my house there too. And they're like, the gift card machine's broken. For months, it was broken. Like, how is it different than the credit card machine? Like, it just it just is. It's just something else. 
I didn't realize that there was a gift card machine. There was a. There used to be right beside that one. There was a card shop, like a trading card shop, where uh, those geeks would go play like Magic: The Gathering and stuff and Pokemon. Nerds. I know, and it that that was like the perfect like those nerds would sit out front eating Little Caesars pizza every time I would go by there. Just, just me in high school eating Little Caesars pizza in front of a card shop where some smoky old lady. <laughs> gouge these poor bastards <laughs> anyway so maybe i'll order domino's tonight how about that is that better than little caesar's order domino's lay back watch the golden globes oh sounds yeah like a, sounds like a good sunny night i i might i might uh not really watch the golden globes because i don't really like it that much um it's kind of a comic-y thing i thought you'd be into watching ricky gervais Man, I've lampoon everybody. I've I've really cooled on Ricky Gervais in the last few years, probably because he doesn't shut the fuck up. Um, I mean, I loved The Office, the original version, and I really liked Extras. And but then he got like he decided he was going to talk about everything that that made him mad, like politically, yeah. all the time. I think he's in the Benghazi movie, actually. <laughs> there, he's got a David Brent movie coming out. Yeah, um, that I'm dreading because I think it's going to be bad. Uh, that was so weird when he turned up in the office as David Brent, the UK office or in the American office. You remember yeah. that? Did you watch that all the way through, Cody? I did. Yeah. Well, I mean, I missed a couple seasons in there when it got bad. Oh, like post the, uh, post Corel. The um, did you watch the um? Uh, James Spader season? No, that's a bad season. Uh, the uh, the one after that with uh, Ed Helms as the lead is bad too. That was another guy that just wore out his welcome really fast. Was Ed Helms? Just because yeah, they ruined him, they ruined that character. All right. Anything else you want to talk about before we go? Uh, no. Have a good week, guys. Thanks. You too. When y'all see? When are you seeing Benghazi? Tuesday. Tuesday. I think I am too. I don't remember. Well, yeah. come on over. I gotta go. Uh, I gotta go see Benghazi for how long? <laughs> Shut up. All right. On that note, I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. And I'm Kiko Martinez. Thank you for listening to this Cine Snob podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.